Thank you for taking time to listen to our service. We're happy you've joined us today. Visit NBCOcala.com to find out more about who we are as a ministry or get information about upcoming events. There you can also discover all the convenient ways to partner with us financially. Thanks again for joining us. Enjoy the service. Amen. Help me welcome our online campus. God bless you guys. So glad you're with us. Peace to your house. You may be seated. You may be seated. Well, last week in service, I gave out some Bibles. I gave away some, some beautiful Bibles. And uh, somebody said, where'd you get those? So let me tell you where I got them. I got them on Amazon. Has anybody here heard of Amazon? It's a little startup, up and coming kind of thing. Here's my whole point in even mentioning Amazon. Uh, Amazon has a thing. We've got a slide for it here. It's called Amazon Smile. Don't if you know if you knew this. But you can just visit smile.amazon.com. And they will give a portion of what you order to your charity of choice. My charity of choice is Meadowbrook Church. And uh, just want to encourage you. So I don't know what that percentage is, but that's another cool way that even when you're buying stuff, and it's, it's a pretty awesome way to, you know, get some things quickly sometimes and some rare things or whatever. But um, that's something just want to make you aware of today. You shop and Amazon gives to Meadowbrook Church. That's pretty cool. All right. So, all right. Well, let's dive right into our series, uh, back into our series through the Bible in seven weeks. And I'll go ahead and dive right into scripture in Psalm 19, Psalm 19. Now there's going to be a number through this, through this passage of several verses. We're going to have words like instruction, decrees, commands, statutes, and so forth. All of those relate to God's word. Okay. And that's what we're talking about. So the instructions of the Lord are perfect reviving the soul. Anybody here ever need your soul revived? The decrees of the Lord are trustworthy, making wise the simple. Go ahead. The commandments of the Lord are right, bringing joy to the heart. The commands of the Lord are clear, giving insight for living. Reverence for the Lord is pure, lasting forever. The laws of the Lord are true. Each one is fair. They are more desirable than gold, even the finest gold. They are sweeter than honey and even honey dripping from the comb. They are a warning to your servant, a great reward for those who obey them. Again, showing you the benefit of the word of God. Now, what you need to do with the word of God, you ready for this? Your Bible, scripture, here's what you need to do. First of all, you need to pick it up and you need to read it and then you need to believe it and you need to follow it. I know that's a lot to remember, but you pick it up, you read it, you believe it, you follow it, and it will change your life. I said it will change your life. Anybody know I'm telling the truth on that? Amen. And um, when we read God's Word, and the purpose of this series is kind of take a tour through the Bible, because sometimes it seems like this big, foreboding book, and uh, it's got gold on the edge of the pages, and I, I don't know where to start, and it's old, and, and, and somebody told me it's not real, and... And so what we're doing is touring through the Bible to, to kind of open it up a little bit and get some light in there for you to see and uh, so that you'll desire to get into God's Word because the big picture, which we're trying to show you, uh, when you can see the big picture, overlay that on life. You're going to have much more peace. You're going to have much less panic. And uh, I'm for both of those things. It all connects together from beginning to end. It connects all together. I like to say like this, it's kind of like fiber optics that starts in one point and lights up in another point. And we've been kind of pointing out a few of those as we've gone along. 
Uh, this is not original with me, but it's a powerful description of the Bible. The Old Testament is the New Testament concealed. And the New Testament is the Old Testament revealed. And it all connects together and gives us this incredible grand narrative, God's big picture on all of this. So the first week, we looked at the first five books of the Bible called The Beginning. This is the Law, the Torah, the Pentateuch, the first five books. Last week, we went through 12 books. These were the history books. And today, we're going to go through the wisdom books. And so we have five of these that we're, we're going to look at today. Um, wisdom is a huge thing and probably the best question, hear me, the best question you can ask in life is what is the wise thing to do? What, let's practice it one time. What is the wise thing to do? Not what are my friends doing? What did I hear on TV? What did I see on social media? What did Oprah say? Um, it's a matter of what is the wise thing to do? And that is the question that we want to ask. Uh, and, it, and that can be about anything, about your job, about a relationship, about uh, do I buy, do I sell, when, what, all of those things. Uh, we can get wisdom from God to help us. So the question would be, what is the wise thing to do? And that question is the key to right decisions and best decisions. That question also, what is the wise thing to do, is the key to avoiding regret. I don't know if you've heard about or felt regret before. But most regret we have comes because we've made a wrong decision. And uh, if we could make a better decision, and what's involved in making the best decisions, of course, would be wisdom. So when you and I make a right decision, how many of you know it has kind of a ripple effect? It's not just for one thing. It will impact other things. A right decision does that. Guess what else? A wrong decision, unfortunately, also has a ripple effect. And it impacts relationships and emotions and finances and and future and all kinds of things. So it is very, very critical uh, that we find out what is the best decision, what is the wise decision for everything that we do. So the Bible highlights wisdom. The Bible features wisdom. Let's look at a place in the New Testament real quick in Ephesians chapter 5. It says, be very careful then how you live, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. So guess what? The days are evil. Church, y'all here? Okay. The days are evil. The days are evil. What I need to do, what you need to do is be able to optimize the good and rise above some things. And that happens by being cautious, by being careful of how I live. Well, how do I do that? Let's live it as wise, not as unwise. Then we'll be able to make the most of every situation that comes in life. Wisdom is the game changer. So scripture not only uh, highlights wisdom, emphasizes wisdom, the scripture actually gives us wisdom. It lays out wisdom for us. Right in the middle of the Bible, pretty much, we find a a, a concentration. We find like a treasure trove. You know, if if you were mining for rare and precious metals and they find like a vein of that, here is a vein right in the middle here of wisdom. Now, there's wisdom throughout God's Word, but we have this concentration right here in what are called the wisdom books. And so let's go through these real quick. Uh, The first one would be Job. Job is a story, and I believe it's a real story about a real person, real situations. Next would be the Psalms. 
The Psalms have to do with uh, praise and prayers and songs and poems even. Proverbs. Proverbs gives us some short statements, some short sayings of wisdom. Then we have Ecclesiastes. Ecclesiastes is kind of like a blog. It's kind of like a journal laying out something. And then, uh, then we have the Song of Songs or the Song of Solomon, and that is a love poem. Now, let's go ahead and start with Job. Everybody say Job. It's not Job. Job, okay? Job is confusing. Job is difficult. Uh, so I want to try to bring some perspective as we go through this story. And I'm going to spend more time on Job this morning than on the other books. And uh, it's because I think there's something that we really, I believe the Lord is emphasizing for us to take home today out, out of the book of Job. So there's, there's a man named Job. He was a good man. He was a God-fearing man. He was a God-honoring man. Life was going well for him and then the devil. The devil goes before God and brings up Job before God and he essentially brings a challenge or a test before God. And he said, God, consider this man Job. He's a good man. He's God-fearing. But I would like to do something. He said, I would like to go and take away of the good that you have brought to his life. And that's what the devil says to the Lord. And Job will turn on you. Because Job loves you and Job serves you because of the stuff. Because of the blessings. Because of the benefits. And so God says, in essence, you underestimate Job. You underestimate our relationship. And so he says, okay, I'll allow you. Everybody say allow. I'll allow you to do this, but I'm going to put some boundaries. I'm going to put some limits on this. Immediately, the devil starts his dirty work, and he attacks and takes away Job's wealth, takes away his health, takes away the life of some of his family, takes away his livestock, and just begins to reduce Job's life. And look at me. Job remained faithful. He remained faithful. Now, Job's wife and Job's friends gather around him and start to give him some counsel. Everything's going bad. How many of you know you need to be picky about who gives you counsel when things are going bad? (laughs) How many of you are real happy for caller ID? (laughs) Um, Job's wife and friends say, here's a couple options, Job. Curse God and die. There's one. Here's another one. Confess whatever sins you've done that have brought this on. Third, you need to accept God's harsh discipline. Job rejects all three. But Job does do one thing. Job asked God, and I understand this, Job asked God why. Why me? Why this? What's going on with all of this? He asked God why. In the end of Job, God speaks And God takes all of them to task, beginning with Job. He does this over four chapters, Job 38, 39, 40, 41. God speaks. And in essence, he says this. He says, you are in no position to question me. Okay, now keep track of all this. 
They ask, Job asks why. The others are, they have all kinds of opinions. Job says, why? Why is this going? And, and the Lord says, you're in no position to question me. He says this. It takes four chapters to say this. He says this. Where were you when I created everything? Where were you when I raised up the mountains? Where were you when I caused the springs to, to come forth? Can you hold stars in their cluster and hold them in place? Can you make the sun rise and go back down? Can you determine the time when a bear is going to hibernate and wake again? Can you determine when the deer is going to have its young? Can you control and schedule the fish and the creatures of the deep? And he goes on and on and on. And here's really the answer. No, I don't think so. So you are in no position to question me, the Lord says. And to, to that, Job responds, and Job repents. And here's, what, here's how Job responded back to the Lord. He said, you're right, and I spoke words without knowledge. And I asked questions that are beyond what I could even understand. Forgive me. And God responds, and God forgives him. And God, you ready? God restores everything that was lost. Wait, that's not the end of the story. He not only restores everything that was lost, he doubled it. He doubled it. Job ended up in an incredible, incredible place. God addresses Job's friends and wife, and, and he pretty much let them know, I'm not happy with you, and here's why. And listen to this carefully. He said, I'm not happy with you because you spoke wrongly about me. Doesn't that bother you too? Hey, when somebody misrepresents you, somebody says something wrong, about you, mischaracterizes you, does that bother you? Yes. Bothers God. And God says, here's, here's the problem. I have a problem with it. He said, you have spoke wrongly about me. You have mischaracterized me. And he required some sacrifice out of them. So out of all of this, the question still emerges. And here's the question, and it's a commonly asked question. Why do bad things happen to good people? Why do bad things happen to good people? I can't tell you how many things I've watched, bad things, happen to good people. And I don't have the answer. But I think we have to equip our theology a little bit, and Job helps to inform that. And let's first of all make sure that our theology, and what is theology? It's, it's what we believe and know about God and the ways of God, okay? And everybody has a theology. Let's make sure that our theology is informed well. Job helps with that especially with this issue of why do bad things happen to good people. But make sure that your theology, say my theology, make sure that your theology is not built on karma. Because it is incredibly pervasive in our culture and in theology. And what does that mean? That when things happen, here's the karma theology, but it must be punishment. I must have done something wrong. I must deserve this somehow, something I've done. And so it's this payback, it's this karma kind of thing. And that really misrepresents God. There is sowing, there is reaping, there are some things happen because you did things. You know, if you drove too fast around the corner and you ran into the ice cream truck, slow down. If you stepped off of the roof, Don't do that. 
There are laws. One of them, gravity. <laughs> but think about this. Out of the book of Job, you have, don't forget this, you have a devil who tries to get involved in human affairs. He is intent on undermining relationship between God and people. Follow this carefully. The devil is intent on undermining relationship between God and people. Remember his approach to God? His whole thing was to question even the legitimacy of, of relationship. He said, Job is only in relationship with you, God, because of the benefits. He's only in it for the stuff. And if you take away the benefits, take away the blessings, take away the stuff, he's going to turn on you. It's not going to be a relationship. And here's what the devil is really trying to push in God's face. And if he turns because you take away the good, it never was a relationship to start with. And see, relationship is what the whole Bible's about. It's the story of how God created and wanted fellowship with, with people and then how that got ruined and how he worked to, re- to, to reestablish it and to restore it. The whole Bible is about God having relationship with people. It's why Jesus came, is to build the bridge back so you and I could have relationship with God. Come on, church, say amen. amen. The whole Bible's about that. So so let's, let's turn a little corner here and, and still gathering from Job. Suffering, tragedy, affliction. You know, and all of us have had that. You might be dealing with it now. Maybe you have it down the road, and I don't wish that for you. But when we go through any kind of suffering or experience tragedy or affliction, sometimes, everybody say sometimes. Sometimes it's a test. Sometimes it is allowed. I had you say that word earlier. Sometimes it's allowed. Understand this. It wasn't caused by God, but it might have been allowed. And sometimes, you ready? Look at your smart pastor. I don't know. (laughs) I just don't know why some things happen. I I really, really don't. But if it is a test, maybe, and just that you have an inkling, it could even be a test like Job's. Pass the test. Pass the test. Well, what do you mean? pass the test. Do this. When you, when you have things that are going on, realize this. And this is the wisdom out of the book of Job. Here's the wisdom. God alone is wise. So the greatest human wisdom you and I could ever muster up is we'll never be able to fathom the mind, the wisdom, the ways of God. And get this. And God is not obligated to explain everything to us. So how do I pass the test right here when we don't understand it? And could we be honest real quick? How many of you had things happen or watched things happen? And I, don't, I don't understand. Come on, come on, come on, come on, come on. And when you don't understand, here's how you pass the test. You ready? Don't accuse God. And don't speak wrongly of God. Don't accuse God. Don't speak wrongly of God. Let me, let me try to illustrate. Let's imagine that there's a little toddler, little baby, little toddler. I got a new grandson, by the way, y'all. Just wanted to share that. You got a little, little baby, and mom picks up the baby. And, and for the sake of the story, the baby is you. And mom, let's just let mom, for the sake of the story, be God, okay? So just watch the rolls. So mom picks up the little baby and puts it in a playpen. So it's now incarcerated. And it has its favorite blankie. How many of you know what a blankie is? Okay. And mom takes the blankie. 
and scoots the playpen near the edge of the kitchen, and mom gets busy. And she's crashing pots and pans and water's running and things are cooking and it's loud. And mom has her back turned to the baby. Mom's on the phone. Mom's in and out of the room. Mom's doing laundry. She's cooking. She's calling. She's doing all kinds of things. And here's what the baby, who's the baby again? The baby is like watching, worried, crying, going boneless, getting mad. Mom, I'm over here. You put me in a cage. You took my blankie. You got your back turned to me. You're making noise. And the baby's worried. The baby's crying. The baby's falling down. The baby's getting mad. The baby's worried. The baby's crying. The baby's falling down. The baby's getting mad. If the baby could talk, the baby would say some things about mom. But if you just hang in there, everybody say, hang in there. If you just hang in there, I don't understand what's going on. But then mom comes back with a warm, clean blankie right out of the dryer. Mom's been on the phone setting up a play date. Mom's been cooking some food. Mom now picks you up. I got time for you now. I've been preparing things just for you. And do you see that? Because sometimes we're like that baby. We don't understand. Feels like God's got his back turned to me and he he took something from me and he put me here. But you have no idea what God might be doing for you. So when we question, don't accuse God. Amen. Psalms. There's 150 of them. And you say, there's no way he's going to finish on time. I finished early last service. Get off me. (laughs) There are 150 psalms. They're divided up into five books, so to speak. Many authors, mostly David. I encourage you to read the psalms. It helps us to organize our hearts and organize our thoughts about this incredible, incredible God and his goodness. It's a book of praise. It's a book of prayers. It's a book of poems. It teaches us to trust in and to praise God for his goodness It at times laments over wickedness and over injustice, but ultimately it's a book of praise and a book of courage. And you know this, life takes courage out of you. And the Psalms can help to put courage back in you. Psalms. Next book, Proverbs. Proverbs. I got to tell you, this is probably my favorite. Probably my favorite. And for over 35 years, I know I don't even look that old, but over 35 years, almost daily, almost daily, I've read a, a proverb for, for about 35 years. There are 30, 31 proverbs. Most months have 31 days. I would encourage you to get one. And here's the thing. This is wisdom central right here. This is the how-to of, a, of skillful and godly living. Now, this won't make you all wise, but it'll make you way better. You're at least clued in on some things. And it's like, well, what do I do with this? And it goes through and compares and contrasts some things. It, it short, blunt, to the point, giving you wisdom on some things about not holding a grudge or, or relationships or finances or how you work or watching your mouth and watching your tone and watching your volume and, and how hard you work and, and being careful who you hang out with and who you listen to. And it, 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 anything, virtually anything is covered in the book of Proverbs. Um, you probably should be reading it every day. 
It compares and contrasts the wise thing as as opposed to the foolish thing. And all of it, all of it points to this right here, the fear of the Lord. The fear of the Lord. Everybody say it, the fear of the Lord. This is the heart. This is the root of wisdom. There are many verses on that. I don't have time for that this morning. But the wise, everybody say the wise. The wise live in the fear of the Lord. The foolish do not. And their results are vastly, vastly different. The fear of the Lord is not this cowering, dread, afraid, God's mad, walk on eggshells, don't look him in the eye kind of thing. The fear of the Lord is this. It's a deep, healthy, real respect, honor, awe of this amazing God. And when you see him in that way, you'll respond to him in the right way. Without doubt, without question, without hesitation, the fear of the Lord. The next is Song of Songs or the Song of Solomon. Could I have some music, please? It's a very intimate, sensual love poem. It's about romantic intimacy and love in marriage and that that is good and that is from God. Now, but it's kind of weird. So if you're looking for pickup lines, don't get them from Song of Songs, okay? And if you're wanting to write a little card, a little sweet card to, you know, to your sweetheart, I, I, don't, I don't know if you should gather it from here. For example, music, please. Directly from the Song of Songs. Your hair is like a flock of goat's teeth. Your waist is like a heap of wheat. And your nose is like the Tower of Lebanon looking toward Damascus. So read it at your own discretion. Finally... Ecclesiastes, Ecclesiastes. Now, Ecclesiastes is another very, very difficult book. And if you don't read it right, and this happens all the time and it irritates me, people will come up. But I read this in the Bible. Listen, if you read something in the Bible that seems counter to the rest of the Bible, you need to find out what context that is in. And Ecclesiastes is loaded with things that are, it starts out with, like this. Vanity, vanity, everything's vanity. Everything's meaningless. Everything's a waste. Does that match the rest of the Bible? No. And then it has a whole bunch of other things that it says very strongly that are counter. They're at odds with the rest of the Bible. So here's the key to reading Ecclesiastes, and you should read it. Uh, and I'll show you why in just a moment. You need to read it all together. You need to get the whole story of what's going on. The author of Ecclesiastes is believed to be Solomon, and Solomon is at the end of his life. Solomon started out right, but then he drifted and he crashed and he ruined his life and he ruined everything. And that's why he starts out. It's a mess. Everything's a mess. Everything I've tried, it's a mess. He goes on with all of this. He sounds like someone who has lost hope, lost faith, made a mess, ruined things, 
And now he's venting and he's angry and he's confused on a lot of things. And that, that Solomon, he had tried everything and he had everything at his disposal. Think about it, everything. He was the king, y'all. He was powerful. He was the most powerful. He was wealthy. He was the most wealthy, most rich person around. And he tried everything and he tried anything. And here's what he found out. You ready? Church, hear this. He is essentially saying nothing, nothing apart from God can satisfy. I've tried it all. He said this. He said, I denied myself nothing. Whatever I wanted, whatever I wanted, anything, everything, anyone I wanted, I took. And nothing apart from God can satisfy And he lands the book with this. At the end of my life, I've tried everything. And faith in God is the only thing that brings any meaning and any fulfillment into my life. So get the whole story. Guess what? It's your story. It's my story. We've tried it. Some of you all think you've tried it all. Multiply that times Solomon. He tried everything. He had access to everything. It wasn't just things you thought about. I wonder what that would be like or this or that or if only. No, he had access to everything. He said, I tried it all. And nothing, say it with me, nothing. Nothing apart from God can satisfy. And he lands it with one of the most important verses in all of Scripture in Ecclesiastes chapter 12. In the Amplified Bible. And I want to read it in three different translations. And we're going to bring it and simplify it and boil it down to its essence. All has been heard. The end of the matter is fear God. Everybody say fear God. God. Revere and worship him knowing that he is. And keep his commandments. Say keep his commandments. That's the end of it all. For this, fearing God and keeping his commandments. For this is the whole of man. The full original purpose of his creation. The object of God's providence. The root of character. The foundation of all happiness. The adjustment, watch this. The adjustment to all inharmonious circumstances and conditions under the sun. Quick, quick survey. Anybody here got any inharmonious circumstances or conditions? Here's the knob. Here's the adjustment to all inharmonious circumstances and conditions under the sun. And it is the whole duty of every man. Look at it in the New Living Translation. That's the whole story. Here now is my final conclusion. Fear God and obey his commands, for this is everyone's duty. Let's boil it down one more time to the message. The last and final word is this. Fear God. Do what he tells you. Fear God. Do what he tells you. Look at me. That is wisdom. That is what makes life work. That's what helps you get through anything. Fear God. Do what he tells you, and you'll be wise. Amen? Did you get anything at all out of this today? All right. Real quick. Real quick. Heads are bowed. Eyes are closed. Please no looking around. Please no moving around. And just hang with me just for a second here. Hey, Solomon said it. I say it to you too. Nothing apart from God can satisfy. You need Jesus in your life. I'm not talking about religious Jesus. I'm talking about real Jesus. 
that you can have a relationship with, that he's with you all the time, that he'll help you, and then one day when life is over, give you a home in heaven forever. If you're here this morning and you've never invited Jesus into your life, you know that. And I want to I help you today to do that, to get that started. Some of you are here and you have a relationship with Jesus, but you would, you would say, I, I need to get some things right with the Lord. So if either one of those would be you, I want to be able to lead you in a prayer this morning. Well, the first thing is you've got to acknowledge that that's you. And this is just between you and God, and, and I'm going to peek in on this real quick because eyes are closed. Nobody's looking around right now. But if you're here this morning, that would be you, and you'd say, Pastor, would you, would you, would you pray with me today? I want to receive Jesus. Or you'd say, Pastor, I need to get some things right with the Lord. If that's you, now I'm not going to have you stand up. I'm not going to have you come forward. I just want you to acknowledge this this morning. Would you just lift your hand up right now? Nobody's looking around except just me and the Lord right now. If that's you and you'd say, Pastor, pray for me today. I want to receive Jesus or I need to get some things right with the Lord. If that's you, lift your hand up good and high right now. Now, some ushers are going to come and put a card in your hand. Hold your hand up until you get that card. I'll tell you about the card in just a minute. But lift your hand up. Wait till you get that card, okay? Now, Everybody go ahead and pray this prayer with me right now, if you would. I'll tell you about the card in a minute. Everybody just pray with me right now. Father God, Jesus, I need you in my life. I open my heart. I believe in you. Come into my life. Forgive me of my sins. Help me with this life. Bring me into the family of God. And one day give me a home in heaven. Thank you for your love for me. Help me to follow you. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Now look at me real quick. If you prayed that prayer and you meant it from your heart, it matters. It counts. God heard it. And you're in the family of God. Your sins are forgiven. And now what I want to do is help you to just take those next steps. That's what the card's all about. So if you lifted up your hand and got that card, there's just minimal information we want in there. The only thing we're going to use it for is to get back in touch with you because I just want to get some information to you simply for this, to help you take that next step in your relationship with God. Because it's not just a prayer. It's not just a thing. It's a relationship. And this will help you to take those next steps with God. So fill out that card before you leave. There'll be ushers at the door with buckets. And they're just going to be real discreet. They're not going, hey, and another one. They're not going to embarrass you. Okay? Just drop those in there. If you didn't get a card, um, they'll have cards there. And just take a moment and do that. And very quickly, we'll get information back to you just to help you in your walk with God. Because I'm telling you what, there's no other way to walk on this planet than just to walk with God. We've had a wonderful morning. Thank you for your patience. Thank you for your attention. God bless you. You're dismissed. Peace. Thanks for listening to this week's message from Meadowbrook Church. We hope you'll stay connected by following us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at NBC Ocala.